Fan Junkies Radio is brought to you by FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. Gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Fan Junkies Radio. Fan Junkies I'm your host, Radio Jonathan Raggis. Hey, what's going on here, Mike? Where's I sports? have no idea, my friend. Keeps playing. All right, well, there you go. Well, anyway, <laughs> welcome to another episode of Fan Junkies Radio. As always, I'm your host, Jonathan Raggis, and alongside me is uh, my buddy, Mike McShane. What's going on, Mike? You got it. You got it. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what's going on there, too. Seems like it's been a while since we've been on the air, huh? It does. We took Friday off. Yeah, I, I didn't mind. No, we needed a Friday off. Well, you needed a Friday off. I did. It didn't bother me. Um, now I'm feeling like I could use a Monday off as I'm uh, attempting to recuperate from a long frat house weekend. Especially a very dreary Monday. Yeah, it is. It's nasty out there today. Cold, damp, gray, miserable. Rainy. It's going to be like this most of the week, too. That's I know. I'm not too happy about that. Part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well... But we got three days of Fan Junkies Radio. I'm yeah. happy about that. If it's going to be rainy, maybe we'll go two hours. Who knows? Might as well be sitting here listening to us drone on about... Oh, no. Not droning. We don't drone. No, we don't drone. We have fun. Right. And, and we're going to have fun today because today we have a uh, very special guest joining us, and it's former NBA player Jerome Junkyard Dog Williams, who played for the New York Knicks, the Toronto Raptors, the Chicago Bulls, and the Detroit Pistons, right. will be joining us to talk about his... Awesome NBA career. Current NBA, we'll talk a little bit about the finals with him uh, and some other stories that are popping up. And also what he's doing with his life outside of the NBA. You got it. And it's a you good life it. he's having outside of the NBA as well. So looking forward to that. Uh, Mike, he was. Uh, I, I was very happy when he got traded to the Knicks, let me tell you, man. Well, that was the final year of his career, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Uh, yes, believe it was. Yes, it was. Uh, when they, uh, I think they used an amnesty on him with the whole luxury tax thing with that new agreement, and right. uh, you know to let him go, and that was it for him. He didn't want to play anymore. It looked like so, but I was upset about that, but was happy that at least I got to see him for uh, one season with my right. New York. So, but I'll talk to him a little bit about that later on today. So. Mike, let's start it off today with uh, today in sports. Today in sports. You know, I was a little bit surprised. I didn't realize this went back this far. Uh, but on this day in 1975, Pele signed a three-year contract with the Cosmos. The Cos, the New York Cosmos. Correct. Yep. And I believe that was his first time then in, you know, technically playing for a USA-based team. I believe it was, yeah. Hard to believe. 1975. I didn't think it was that quite that long ago. I actually think the Cosmos are around still in some kind of independent league. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I remember hearing something about that. Um, I wonder where that was, though. Because hmm. I know that they did something recently, and uh, Paley was talking on behalf of them. Hmm. Got to figure well, that out. It uh, the whole thing kind of I I was just a little bit I, I didn't think it was that long ago so that that's where kind of where I found that one rather uh, uh, interesting. What was that in uh, what year? 1975. 1975. Well, they weren't around that long. The Cosmos were they? No, they weren't. No. 
That's pretty cool. I always like Paley, man. He came into uh, oh, I used to work at Levitt's Furniture years ago, and he actually came in to buy furniture and had a chance to meet him. Nice guy. Is that right? You actually met him? Yeah. Yep. Oh, very cool. A bunch of people did. Trust me, a bunch of people swarmed him when he came in. Oh, very, very yeah, cool. Very, very, very nice guy. Do you remember what year that was? 1997? Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah, I believe it was 97. It was either 97 or 98. So, very nice guy, though. No. Let's get into a little bit of uh, NBA Finals, Mike. Uh, Sunday's game. Uh, was it? Yeah, it was Sunday's game. Heat. Yes, it was. It was last night. One hundred three to eighty four to tie up the series. One one. Mike, did you get a chance to watch the game last night? I, I was. We did have it on here. I was watching intermittently. Uh, it was a blowout, my friend. Oh yeah. A uh, little bit disappointing, to be honest with you. Uh, nonetheless, however. Um, San Antonio did exactly what they needed to do, and that is to win a game. Yeah. And they won game one, and that's all that really matters. Mm-hmm. And as I was talking about this on Fred House Saturday, with the format being what it is, uh, it really does kind of benefit uh, the underdog team because it's a 2-3-2 format. Yeah. So now you're going to have three games back at San Antonio. So San Antonio did exactly what they needed to do was get the it. other evening by winning game one, and by losing game two, eh, it's kind of a throwaway. Yeah, absolutely. Albeit, let's not forget, this is exactly how the series went last year. It did. But if you look at some of the stats from last night, Mike, Tim Duncan, 3 of 13, shooting 9 points. Tony Parker, 13 points on 5 of 14, shooting. Manu Ginobili, 2 of 6, only 5 points in 18 minutes. So that's the big three for them. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you're never going to see Tim Duncan just score 9 points two games in a row. So you know he's going to have a good game next game coming out. Right. Tony Parker is going to do a lot better than 5 of 14 shooting. And you know Manager Nobly, classy, classy guy, hard worker, probably one of the hardest in the NBA. He's going to come out with a vengeance in the next game. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a different game. Yep. It's going to be a totally different game. But hats off to uh, Miami for uh, playing good defense on San Antonio. So. Yeah, and they did what they had to do. And, uh, you know, again, like I said, uh, a little bit disappointing because obviously I'm rooting for San Antonio, folks. I'm not going to make any qualms about it. But. Uh, a little bit disappointing from the standpoint that it wasn't a closer game, uh, but not a surprising result. Yeah. Oh, man, let me tell you. It's going to be a good, good game three. And I believe game three is tomorrow night. Yes, it is. It's tomorrow it is. night Correct. on ABC Correct. at 9 o'clock Eastern time back in San Antonio. Let's see if the Spurs can uh, grab a 2-1 series lead. Yep. Let's look at the NHL, the final start. This week, Mike. Wednesday, Bruins, I Wednesday, Bulls, right? Yes, Wednesday night at 8 o'clock on NBC. Bruins and Blackhawks, Mike. Finals. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. It's, it's, it's a matchup of uh, two of the original six. First time since 1979. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic about it. I really am. Um, I'm thrilled Chicago's in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that they deserved it. I mean, they were the best team in the NHL almost the entire season, if Absolutely. not the entire season. They were. And... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled. Uh, I'm thrilled it's an original six uh, matchup. I, that's what I really like about it. Now, my question to you is, who do you have winning this Stanley Cup? Boy, oh boy, Jonathan, this is a tough one. I don't. You know what? Can I reserve my uh, my take on this until Wednesday? Because I, I really want to look this one over. This is a tough, tough one to call. Oh, because both of them play almost not identical. Very similar. But they're both very, very well-balanced teams. Four lines. Yep. Three defensive pairings, 
and they can go at it. And I think this is going to go at least six games, if not seven. Oh, I agree with you. I kind of like Chicago's offensive power a bit more than Boston's. That's that, that's my that's my initial read on it. Yeah, I'll give you that. But it's why I'm I'm saying I, I want to reserve my yeah. my pick on this one until Wednesday. What I think of Boston is just playing at a level that they've never played at before, both offensively and def- and, and defensively. So, but we'll talk about that on Wednesday and see. Uh, we'll throw out our little predictions there. Oh yeah, I, but make no mistake, I'm excited uh, for this series. I really am. Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody is. Uh, Boston Bruins, Chicago Blackhawks. First game of the NHL Stanley Cup Finals, NBC, Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Mm-hmm. Got to be a good one. Let's take a look at the MLB standings real quick, Mike. Out in the AL East, Boston Red Sox still in first place, one and a half games over the New York Yankees. AL Central, Detroit now has a five and a half game lead over the Cleveland Indians. They're starting to run away there with it, Mike. Well, Cleveland, Cleveland's two and eight in their last ten. Yeah. They've lost seven, seven in, in a row. row. But Kansas City starting to pop up again, man. Seven and three in their last ten. They won five in a row now. So yep, 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 yep. I know we're both happy about that. Of course, they've been playing Houston. So well, I, I think. Well, I think besides uh, the Mets, I don't think nobody can lose to Houston. Uh, <laughs> AL West, Texas Rangers with a half game lead over the Oakland Athletics, but Oakland is seven and three in their last ten, but they have lost two in a row. Out in the NL East, Atlanta Braves still on fire. Seven and three in the last ten. They have a seven and a half game lead over the second place Washington Nationals, Mike, with a record of thirty nine and twenty four. Yep. Out in the NL, uh, excuse me, NL Central, St. Louis has a four game lead over both the Reds and the Pittsburgh Pirates, six and four in their last ten. Pirates are still hanging around. Oh yeah, they're going to be buyers at the trade deadline. Watch. NL West, Arizona, up one and a half games over San Francisco and Colorado, but. They're, you know what? They're always so balanced. They're either five and five in their last ten, or they're six and four in their last ten. It's never anything bigger than that. Well, I think it goes to the to the mediocrity of that particular division. And we've been saying that that's the yeah. Junkies Radio Division. Well, that and really that and the NL East, with the exception of Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, Washington is a five hundred team. Yeah. And I've been saying almost since the beginning of the season, that's exactly what Philadelphia is. Yeah. For God's sake, the Phils went a game over 500 the other day and were in second place in this division. And just as quickly as they did that, they dropped three in a row. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's not a good team, period. The no, Phils not, not you know, it's better than being a 200 team like the Miami Marlins. Well, yeah, well okay, it's all relative, I suppose. But, <laughs> uh, oh. hey, let's compare ourselves to uh, – let's compare mediocrity against Drek. Well, it's funny because we both said that the Houston Astros are going to be the worst team in MLB, and they got a 344 win percentage next to Miami's 290 right now. So I, I actually thought Miami would be a worse team than 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 Houston. A, a lot of others. Okay, Houston, Houston's absolutely and both and both Miami. They both have absolutely nobody. But isn't this great? Let's sit here and debate which is the worst team. <laughs> I would like to see them go in a seven game series. Uh, oh, you really? You want to see it? Yeah. Let's do. Uh, <laughs> I need a nap. Uh, let's do a seven-game series between the two worst teams in the league. Maybe we'll do that Friday. Maybe we'll match it up and see which pitching match. That would be really interesting. <laughs> now, we need somebody to do a simulated, a computer simulation of the of the two worst teams in the league. We can do that. Seven-game series. Somebody do that. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll definitely get somebody to do it just to see what would I'm happen. I'm not a gamer, so uh, I I don't have access to that stuff, and and uh, I I never play video games. But it would be uh, that's what we need to do. We need somebody to do that for us. It, it would be funny if you know what when they do the World Series that they actually have the two worst teams in baseball play off against each other as well. Yeah, yep, love that. That would be phenomenal, Mike. I agree. Um, let's talk about this real quick. Uh, Eagles, Mike, they're uh, doing a $125 million project to Lincoln Financial Field. You had a chance to take a look at this? Yeah, I did. What do you think about it? You're an Eagles fan. Okay. The um, First of all, when it was first announced, i got to be honest, I was a little bit surprised. I'm going, really? This stadium needs $125 million facelift already? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you start to wonder, well, wait, what's the purpose here? And of course, then my 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 the other part of my skeptical mind comes in and goes, well, there better not be any municipal funding involved in this. According to everything I've read on it, in fact, there will not be any municipal funding. All the funding on this particular project is private. Project is expected to last two years. Uh, things that will be uh, enhanced include uh, extra seating, uh, Wi-Fi, and of course, then what they're going to do also is. Uh, you know, everybody's doing the Jerry Jones thing where you got to have the enormous, enormous TV displays. Yeah. So, I, you know, the, the, why? Why, huh? There are some that are speculating it's all uh, Lurie's uh, attempt at trying to get a Super Bowl here. Do you, think, do you think that's the case, though? I think it's I think it's kind of foolish. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I I don't think the Lincoln financial field is is I don't know. I can't see. Let's put it this way: I can't see hosting a Super Bowl there. That's just my personal opinion. Well, I guess if you can't actually bring a Super Bowl championship to Philadelphia, you can bring might as a Super well Bowl go there. buy one, right? Yeah, you might as well buy one and bring it there. Yeah, right, right. That's bad. That's Thanks a lot, buddy. Thanks a lot. <laughs> now, where's this one hundred twenty-five million dollars coming from? They're just saying at this point right now, private funding. Uh, now I don't know what that means. I mean, does that I mean uh, they're going to up ticket prices? Because that's private funding, isn't it? Well, yeah. Uh, hmm. so, uh, I think one could expect that to occur. I would think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I admire, as I pointed out so many times, I admire people like Snyder over with the Flyers who who built uh, the the I forget what the hell what the what the hell is the name of our place down there? Keep changing names. But uh, it built that that uh, venue that the Flyers play in. Was that Wachovia now or something? What the wait, Wells Fargo? Yeah, Wells Fargo Center. Wells Fargo. Yeah. Okay, they, they they keep changing the damn they name every couple of years. So yeah, exactly. So keep that's how it's called. But um, he built that completely on his own. I mean, there was no municipal funding involved in that. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he got partners and what have you involved in it. And maybe Lurie's going to do the same thing here. Uh, it just I'm pleased to hear and read that in fact there will be no tax dollar money. Involved in this, uh, I, I don't think taxpayers' uh, uh, dollars should ever come into play. Uh, At least, with, no, not that you know of either. So, correct. Yeah, you know, but in any city, in any town, I do not believe in any kind of municipal funding involved in it. Hmm. That's just where I come from on it. Yeah. Well, even if it's even if it's a referendum, in other words, the voters go out and they vote on it, and they everybody overwhelmingly is in favor of it. I still, am nonetheless, am opposed to it. Yeah. No. All right. Well, we'll see what happens there. Let's uh, stick with the NFL trend here a little bit. Uh, Mike, we both read a story that came out yesterday about, um, you know, legendary Cleveland Browns running back Jim Brown 
Yeah. Basically saying that the NFL is way, way, way behind NASCAR in the way they go about safety. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a big NASCAR fan, Mike. Yeah. Do you agree with the comments that Jim Brown said, or is that comparing, you know, apples to paper? Um. Okay. Uh, he's absolutely right. NASCAR has done a phenomenal job. Yes. Uh, particularly following the death of Dale Earnhardt, mm-hmm. um, in working on the safety of the vehicles themselves. Incredible job. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, when you see some of the kind of wrecks that take place, and these guys are getting out of cars completely unscathed. Yeah. It really is. So NASCAR's done a terrific job. Uh, obviously, what Jim Brown is attempting to do is he's attempting to draw a parallel and really shame the NFL. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a fair comparison. Yeah, That's where I come from on it. I don't know if, yeah, as you pointed out, is it, you know, is it an apples and oranges comparison? And, and, and really, the way I see it, I think it's more of like apples and watermelons. It, it's it's two different things, and I'm not sure if the comparison is correct. Well, that's why I said I'm apples and paper, because you know what? It's not even two fruits. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Um, I know where uh, I know where, where Brown's going, and I yeah. think you probably do as well. And you, I, I would I would suspect you would agree with him. I, I mean, what's your take on his on his uh, assessment here? I think a lot of sporting events and sport and sports leagues have taken the necessary steps to try to make safety a concern, Mike. I don't necessarily see the NFL really doing that, though. Well, there's a lot of talk, there's a lot of studies, there's a lot of hubbub, but nothing has really changed on the field. Okay, uh, I think he's. I think his reference, however, is to equipment. Okay. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. We're probably talking headgear. There has been a substantial amount of addressing of safety in the NFL from the standpoint of rules. Yeah. And regulations. It's been all talk. Like I said, I haven't seen anything down to it onto the field. Uh, There's been a lot of rule changes that, you know, for God's sake, I mean, we're seeing it all the time. We're, 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 We're about to go into a season where, you know, running backs can't put their head down. So I mean, there is a lot of movement. Well, how many people actually get hurt with that now? Well, there is a lot of movement, though. What I'm saying, from the standpoint of addressing safety via regulations and rules on the field, and we've seen far so much of it All that, right. in fact, now fans are actually starting to rebel against it and get annoyed by it. It's going to come late, as we said. You know, same how thing now with the NHL grandfathering devices in for next season. Right. Because Mark Stoll took a puck in the eye and. That, you know, that was it. I'm sorry, but that should have been grandfathered in years and years and years ago when a guy like Brian Broad lost his eye. Okay, but... No, it, always, it, it, it always comes too late, Mike. But Yeah, okay, but wait a minute. Kudos to them, though, for nonetheless addressing it as they are now. Well, yeah, years later. Oh. I don't give them kudos for that. I'm sorry. No, things like that never get addressed, Jonathan, until after there's an incident. And there's been no, incidents no, that, that, like that that's that's in That's been society. Yeah. So I, I, I don't give them kudos for that. We don't address safety on in, in airports, for God's sake, until there's an incident. Well, yeah, of I course. Mean, that's the way society operates. So, I, I mean, I don't have a problem. Look, I played the game of hockey. I'm going to be honest with you. There's no goddamn way I'd want to wear a visor. I'm going to tell you right now. I didn't want to wear a helmet back when I had to. Well, I mean, that was the 50s. They didn't wear you know, helmets back then. <laughs> Uh, 
to lighten the mood one more time by bringing up Mike Sage. Uh, <laughs> but I, 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 if we're addressing if we're addressing equipment here as Brown is doing. What what are we what are we what are we doing? Are we going with a different helmet? Is that what we're talking about? I, I would guess so. I mean, listen, in the NHL, you got a guy like Mark Messier. He came up with that design for that new helmet to where if you got hit on the left side of your head, it basically takes the impact and puts it all around your head to lessen it in one spot. Okay, I've never heard of anything like that in football. And you would think where the helmets are hitting each other, that's the time. To bring that kind of technology to football. Okay. That's what well, I'm talking about. Rule changes are one thing, but when it comes to actually using safety equipment, which is what a helmet is, which is what shoulder pads are, which are what knee braces and back braces are for, that is safety equipment in sports. I don't see them changing their safety equipment. There has been a design, and I forget who the – manufacturer is obviously it's not uh Riddell or Rydell however it's pronounced it's not the current contracted uh helmet company that the NFL is using there has been a design apparently for 2 years by a different manufacturer that is supposed to be head and shoulders pardon upon above what what they're currently using the problem is the contract the problem is they're locked in well and who was that? You, you don't know, right? Who the company? I forget was? who the manufacturer is. No. I really do. I forget who. I, 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 you know, if you want, I'll, I'll look it up for Wednesday, and we'll have that one ready to go. But yeah, definitely. I'm interested in looking at that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I, I don't know why you can't. I don't know why the NFL couldn't force the current uh, manufacturer to to address the. I, actually, I think there there has been. I know that I have read that the NFL has been in conversations with them about it, but. Uh, I, I don't know. I, uh, to me, to me, I think Brown. Like I said, I I, I look at it more of. I, I don't. I don't know if the comparison is is completely fair. No, it's not fair. It's not fair at all. But I don't know. I think he could have used a, you know, a better structure there and maybe compared it to the NHL. But at the same time, I don't think Jim Brown even knows what the NHL is. So no, I I would agree. I think a better. Yeah. Comparison, you're you're exactly right. I think a better oh, comparison it's it's two major contact sports. You yeah, know? I think the better comparison is the NFL to the NHL. Absolutely, I I don't agree with NFL to NASCAR. I mean, that's just wow. That's just a you know an, an outrageous type of comparison in my mind. Yep. Staying with the uh, NFL, Mike. The, a story came out just a few minutes before we went on air. <laughs> it's a goodie, and it's about Chad. Johnson, uh, formerly of the Bengals and, and a couple of other teams, you may know him as Ocho Cinco because yeah. the moron changed his name to that because his number was 85. Well, Mike, he was in court this morning, um, you know, doing a plea bargain over his whole probation violation and uh, all stuff like that. <laughs> he ended up slapping the behind of his lawyer in court, uh, I guess joking around with his lawyer, you know, sending the entire courtroom into a, an eruption of laughter. The judge didn't like that too much. No, no, most judges I don't think would. No, uh, Judge Kathleen McHugh basically, uh, you know, asked him, "Do you think this is a joke?" Because he was laughing, and then he instantly got serious and said, "No, it's not. My life is in shambles." Well, that's not the kind of display you want to do for yourself when you're trying to. Show a judge who basically has her, your life in her hands right now that you're trying to 
get your life back on track, basically. Uh, so, yeah, he slapped the, the behind of his lawyer. Everybody started laughing. He laughed. The judge said, do you think this joke? She instantly said, guess what? No plea bargain for you and kicked them out of court. From what I read, called them back in later, had the bailiffs put cuffs on him, and guess what? They took Chad Johnson to jail for 30 days today. So he will now be spending 30 days in jail for angering the judge. Uh, I guess it's a contempt of court. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think it's right, and can you say dumbass? Yeah, we can Mondays every once in a while. Yeah, this yeah. is dumbass Monday. Oh yeah, I I, I mean, really? It, 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 well, would you expect anything different with the arrogance of this man, though? No. No. I mean, seriously, I I think it's I think it's absolutely right. I also think it is, in some respects, it's kind of sublime. It's it's ridiculous. I think it's a riot. I I don't know. I I don't know. I think it's I think it's a serious. You know when he was playing, you didn't really see stuff like this from his playing. Yeah, he danced in the end zone, whatever. That's what he did. But he really wasn't a troublemaker like this. Right, right. Outside of football, so I stuck up for him a lot years ago when he was with the Bengals. Now I look at this and say, wow, uh, you know, he really needs something to do because I think football took his mind off of being a troublemaker outside of football. Well, I think he's become a caricature. I, 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 wow. I, you know, he was a good player at one time. Yeah. yeah. Damn shame. Damn shame. I, I don't know what the hell his problem is, but yeah, he's going to be uh, reflecting on it for the next 30 days in jail. Well, always a bit flamboyant, and he continues to be so, uh, even as we walk into jail. Yeah. Well, you know what? After 30 days, Chad, I got a little you bit of. Yeah, you think he'll come out of there less flamboyant? Yeah. Don't slap your lawyer in the ass after 30 days, man. Don't do it while you're standing in front of the judge. I mean, that's just I, – I wish they had video of that. Oh, so do I. I would love to see Loved, loved, loved to have seen the look on his face when the judge said, get the hell out of my courtroom, nothing for you. Oh. What happened it, Mike? I wonder, what his, I wonder what his attorney's saying to him right now. Uh, I, I, that, I, you dumbass. I wonder, but uh, – wow. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, we got another uh, story about football in a little bit. Uh, we were supposed to be joined by Jerome Williams. Um, still waiting on that. Hopefully uh, we can still get him on. If not, we'll try to get him on um, at a future show, I guess, unfortunately. I think uh, busy guy probably just uh, flew out of his mind. It happens. Um, let's go into a little bit of NBA here, Mike. Go ahead. Mark Cuban is financing a flopping study at – Southern Methodist University. What in the world? So we went to SMU's website to see what's going on here. They got a grant from Cuban's own, uh, you know, Cuban's company, which is Radical Hoops Limited. Um, they awarded a grant of more than one hundred thousand dollars to fund this eighteen-month flopping study at SMU in Dallas, and it basically says the study will investigate the forces involved in basketball collisions. And the possibility of estimating flopping forces from video data. Mike, <laughs> my question to you is, huh? Does this, uh, you know, we didn't realize it, Jonathan. We, we, I, I, we did not realize it when we were working up the lineup for today's show. But we were doing 
a dumbass Monday, weren't we? It looks like it. Because this is a dumbass story. Yeah. And uh, in some respects, it's kind of disappointing because I really like Mark Cuban. And you and I have talked about many times about how he's, you know, frequently outside the box. Yeah. Well, he's not just outside the box here. He's out of his mind. Well, listen to this. Now, the, I, a biomechanics expert at SMU had this to say, and I quote, The issues of collisional forces, balance, and control in these types of athletic settings are largely uninvestigated. There has been a lot of research into balance and falls in the elderly, but relatively little on active adults and athletes. Okay. They're flopping! Uh, yeah, they're, thank you. They're flopping. They're falling because they can't walk. Oh, my God. <laughs> my grandmother falls. She broke her hip because she's elderly and has no balance. Well, and there's a, might be a little bit of uh, a vertigo and dementia involved. So. Ron James falls because he's a flopper. Vladi <laughs> Divac, what are you going to do, an investigation on all of the flopping that Vladi Divac did years ago? He came down to give his team an edge. He didn't get knocked out. How are you going to knock down a seven-foot guy when you're six-foot-two? Come on. Maybe we'll find out LeBron is actually suffering from vertigo. I, I, uh, okay, Here, let me ask you this question. I mean, the Cleveland fans have a voodoo doll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm just trying to read through this article that you sent over to me real quick. I'm trying to get down into the meat of it. To determine, here's my question, and I would love to ask Cuban this directly, or somebody running this thing over at SMU. Um, what is the end objective? What? Okay. I, so I don't know. So we're going to investigate all of this. In an in a in an attempt to determine what, in an attempt to determine when it is legitimate and when it's not. I I, I guess I mean I'm reading the whole thing. Um, I I don't necessarily know what the. I mean I'm reading here the, the objective here for why Mark Cuban would want to give. Or whatever, get a grant awarded to these people for an 18 month study. I mean, I'll, I'll sit here and watch video. Give me 100 grand for 18 months. I'm reading here. The objective of the research is to investigate the forces involved in typical basketball collisions. Yeah. Okay. For what purpose? And, and then, with that information, whatever you determine out of it, what do we plan on doing with that? Man, see that's where I'm still. Uh, that's where I'm still really, really confused. It's uh, I, I, I would like to get somebody on about this um, with us. The I'm reading this on SMU's website. It says the 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 researchers will look how much force uh, how much force is required to actually legitimately fall. But let's get to our guest. We got Jerome Williams on the line with us. Let's get his take on it. Exactly, <laughs> former NBA player Jerome. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey man! <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. How you guys doing? Real good, Jerome. Thanks for joining us. Hey, glad to be here, man. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's it's, it's great to have you on. Before we get to anything, we're talking about Mark Cuban financing a flopping study <laughs> out at Southern Methodist University. Um, Hundred dollars is going to these guys to see what kind of force can legitimately make you fall. And what kind of makes you flop? What do you think about that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think like many of the viewers out there, you know, I think there's a lot uh, more that can be done with a hundred thousand dollars. There's starving <laughs> kids out here. There's kids that need to go to camp. Yep. 
There's, there's kids that could be that could be in some some summer programs that yep. we don't need to be spending and wasting money on an NBA flopping expedition. <laughs> Damn straight. It's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. It just it just shows the ridiculousness um, of of some of the decisions that some people who are influential and have have the influence to really change lives. Sometimes they just you know, to get get too ahead of themselves. And I think this one, Mark, you just showed yourself, you just showed yourself out there, you're too ahead of yourself. You know, put 100000 into some flopping, you really need to think about what, what's going on. Your team isn't even in the playoffs. So at the end of the day, you need to figure out that. <laughs> Good <Amen>. job. <laughs> Amen. I mean, we're sitting here trying to dissect this. I mean, we're reading everything from uh, Southern Methodist University on what – you know, what's he coming up with this? Why is he giving him $100,000? What is Mark Cuban going to get out of this study? And honestly, what we came up with is absolutely nothing. Yeah, I'm not sure what the objective is. That's my problem with it. Yeah. There you go. I, I second that emotion. Absolutely nothing. And then, and then, you know what? Some kids get absolutely nothing. But that's not what we're doing. See, because today right. I'm here at my annual first day Sporting health camp. Kids just got out of school. They're there getting ready go. to be bored. They're getting ready to be sitting in front of a TV. If somebody Absolutely. doesn't step in and do something, so JYD Project and Junkyard Dog, we're out here today. We had about a hundred kids, and we're we're making sure they have something to do this summer. Here, 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 here. Now, where are you running this, bedroom? We're in Las Vegas, right down the street from UNLV. Uh, partnered with the Las Vegas. Uh, uh, Recreation Department and uh, Paradise Recreation Center. So right off of Tropicana, you know, so some good things are going down in what they call uh, Sin City, if you know what I mean. We're, uh, <laughs> we're doing it doing it for the kids, making sure that we keep kids out of trouble, engaged. We also have today, I'll be making appearances at my Finley Prep basketball camp. That's mm-hmm. also going down today. So I'm, I'm running around the city getting wow, it done, you're busy. making Holy sure kids, kids are doing what they should be doing and uh, and giving a giving a proper example of uh, how we want them to be when they get to be our age. Holy smokes! That's that's one active schedule. The uh, yeah. the camp that you're running this morning, I guess it is the one there in Vegas. Is that yeah. a is that completely free? How's how, how do people get involved in that one? We have about 17 kids that actually paid for the camp. Okay, uh, but the camp is entirely free. The kids get. Not only do they get uh, breakfast, lunch, and snacks throughout the day, so all their food wow. is taken care of. They wow. also get T-shirts, junkyard dog, basketball shoes. Uh, uh, they get a sport and health workbook that actually walks them through the whole entire summer. So even if they can't come, you know, every every week to our camp, they can actually continue what they've learned even by coming one week throughout the whole summer. So it encourages them and reminds them to stay engaged, to keep their bodies healthy, eat healthy foods, um, and stay right. So mm-hmm. that's what the, the overall goal of the camp is. And uh, information, www.jydproject.com, and you can read up on what we're doing and how we're helping these kids and actually support us because we actually still need support each and every day because the more support we get, the more kids that get saved. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. We were looking at the uh, JYDproject.com. 
Uh, Joe, do you have any plans of uh, you know expanding the JYD project and ha- having camps uh, in, in any other states in the U.S. eventually? Yeah. Or absolutely, absolutely. You know, we're awesome. starting in our uh, NBA cities that that of course I played in, and we want to branch out. Um, it's all about just getting funding. Um, you know, we start off by doing clinics in other cities, um, and then we expand on. So uh, we we'd love to to come to all these cities around the country. And uh, get this get this really moving because uh, our kids uh, deserve it. Yep, they absolutely do. They absolutely do. No, you are now an assistant coach at Finley Prep uh, down there in uh, what is that in, in Nevada? Finley uh, Finley Prep. That's right. Associate okay. head coach here, along with Coach Simon, who is our head coach, mm-hmm. and uh, we're you know we're we're just continuing the process of growing this Finley Prep brand. Uh, Coach Simon did a great job uh, taking over from Mike Peck, who went on to be with the Portland Trailblazers. And uh, mm-hmm. we are trailblazing this elite high school basketball level. Um, you know, it's it's one thing to, to, to just be an elite basketball player. It's another thing to go up against pros. And uh, as That's associate cool. head coach, I'm making sure they get the pro level of uh, of their experience in high school. So what's tougher, actually being a player now, Jerome, or being an associate head coach? <laughs> well, it's uh, it's probably tougher being an associate head coach because uh, being a player, you know, I was just I was just given the talent uh, gifted to me by my Lord and Savior, and uh, I was able to just wake up every day and do what I did. But now I have to actually think about what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're grooming all these kids now, man. It's different. <laughs> That's right. Now, it's different. But, you know, I'm not doing too bad. I got Tristan Thompson in the league. got my man Corey Joseph playing in the playoffs with San Antonio Spurs. Avery Bradley, Boston Celtics. I got uh, DeAndre Liggins, who is Oklahoma City Thunder. And then I also have Anthony Bennett, who's soon to be a top five pick this year's draft. Give it up for him. He's in the dog pound. And yeah. last but not least, Mike Cabongo, who's going to be drafted this year as well. Nice. Very nice. Now, I'm the resident New York Knicks fan here. Yeah. Diehard New York Knicks fan. When they got you, I was happy. I was very happy. Right. I loved watching you in right. Detroit. I loved watching you with uh, Toronto. And when you came here, the general consensus with the fans was, wow, we finally got somebody who's going to be just, you know, grabbing the ball, rebounding, and doing what they can do. We haven't had that since Charles Oakley. You were compared to Charles Oakley. I don't know if you ever heard that, but how did that feel? Oh, like? absolutely. That, hey, man, that's that's what we do. You know, Charles Oakley was my teammate in Toronto. Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, trust me, rebounds were far and few, few between. He had myself, Charles Oakley, and Antonio Davis. So yeah. it's the reason why we were top five in NBA rebounds as a team. Yep. Um, but uh, it, it was an honor, you know, playing with him. And, uh, and then also coming over to New York City where the fans are just diehard basketball fans. It's the best city to play in when you talk about playing in the Madison Square Garden each and every night. It was a privilege to play in front of that many fans. You know, I played 79 games. About 44 of those games were hurt, but that's yeah. that's what that's what the NBA is all about. You know, just going out there doing your thing. So I had a lot of fun, man. That 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 dog pound in New York City is serious. Okay, is very very serious. Yeah, man, we 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 absolutely loved you here. Now, you left the league after the 2004-05 season. Uh, why did you leave the league for after just uh, you know nine ten years in the league? Well, I uh, I basically, you know, just decided that uh, it was time to change that, uh, close that chapter in my life. I wanted yeah. to continue on and, uh, and and continue doing other things. 
uh, outside of the game, uh, running my nonprofit, being with my family. That was yeah. uh, that was also high on my list, and I wanted to make sure that I uh, kept my responsibilities up. And you know, everybody has their time to leave, and mm-hmm. I wanted to save some of the things that I had left. I mean, I turned down probably about another thirty million dollars um, after after retiring as a Nick, and yeah. uh, I was I was fine with that because that's uh, you know the, the, the NBA gives you so much, but it also can take a lot away. You know, yeah. and being a player, that when you play nine, ten years. After you get to that 10-year mark, your body is already saying it's on its way in the decline. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, 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 you've gone up the ladder, now you're kind of coming down, and it's how you want to come down. You know, some some guys just want to play it till the wheels fall off. I was like, no, my wheels are still on. Hopefully I can just rotate these tires, you know, every year <laughs> and keep it going <laughs> for, for a few more years to come. And, yeah. uh I think I made the right decision because now I'm, uh, I'm I'm able to work with young players. I'm able to play with them. I'm able to show them how to be intense on the basketball court, what to do, how to use their bodies. And I couldn't do that if I played 15, 16, 17 years. I had to mm-hmm. coach them from the sidelines. Now I can actually get in the mix. When they come to Finley Prep, it's a it's a program. They get to see it firsthand. I get to show mm-hmm. it to them. You know what? Let me show you how to rip the rim down right now. Boom! You know, they, 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 they feel it, you know, yeah. bark at them, you know, get the, get the dog pound barking, you know. They they get to understand the intensity level that it's going to take to be an NBA player, you know, and not by me telling them, but actually being able to show them. So that was, uh, you know, so that was one, one of the other reasons why I retired early. Save a little bit of intent. Not to mention, now i got a three-year-old son. Are you kidding me? This guy's got more energy than I have. So, <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> yeah. So I gotta get I gotta get him right. <laughs> so it's yeah. all a blessing. It's all a blessing. Yeah. Jerome, let me get into something here real quick with you. That's uh, past couple of days, uh, and it's actually it's I'm, I'm glad you're doing the kind of work that you're doing because it kind of fits into something I've been looking into, kind of examining a little bit. Uh, a recent study came out that children aged between six and sixteen, seventy five percent of them admitted to cheating in sports. And in fact, they said, many of the children indicated they felt compelled that they had to as a result of pressures being placed upon them by adults in their in their realm, they, be it a coach or be it a, a parent. Number one, right. how do you respond to that? And number two, how as a coach, and I don't want to be presumptuous here, I would like to think perhaps maybe you're not encouraging this kind of thing, but how as a coach do you not encourage it? Oh, easy, easy. You know, you know, cheaters never win. You know, they never win. They uh they get by. Um, but eventually cheaters ultimately, you know, pay the ultimate sacrifice and that's losing. And everyone who competes uh the right way is always a winner in my book. Um, in the game of in the game of basketball or sports in general, there's winners and losers losers. But in the game of life, um, everything translates. You don't want to be a loser in the game of life. So sports has to emulate life. And I teach the kids that if you, if you cheat in sports, you're going to ultimately find an angle in life to try to cheat. And that could be setting you up for, for ultimate failure. Because if you, if you make the ultimate mistake, you're going to pay the ultimate price. So sports is, is a way to discipline yourself, to do it the right way, uh, accept the results, and keep working at it. 
and keep working at it. You know, one thing about um, the real world is that I try to teach kids that, you know, in the real world, you have to work. You have to work hard. You have to give it all you have. You know, um, we, we, we talk to our players um, at Finley Prep about, you know, uh, supply and demand. You know, when you when you come out to, to interview for a job, you know, if you're able to get on the interview, well, chances are your resume was already picked out of a 1,000. So mm-hmm. you you were one of the 30 to 50 people that could get the, get the chance to get a face-to-face with this company. And then after that, you know, your resume can carry you that far, but now it has to be the person that they were, they're trying to see. And, and a lot of people who are trained in personnel can see through the BS. They can see through the person that you're faking um, to see who they would like to hire. So if you practice what you preach and you have the resume to back it up and the people saying, hey, you know what, this person here, great guy, you know, works hard, is, is consistent, that's what you want people to say about you. But in, the game, in sports, you have to do it every day. You can't cheat. And that's the thing that you want to get, get across to the parents. And as a coach, that's our job. We make it exciting. You make it encouraging. You make it to the point where, hey, you know, this is what we do. And it's fun. And, uh, you know, and I let my resume speak for myself, too, you know, because you can't, you can't ever uh, uh, go through life just thinking you're going to win all the time. Life yeah. is about losses. You know, you're going to have more losses in life than probably win, but it's how you recover that's going to be the ultimate um, learning tool and, and the thing that, you know, propels you to the next level. Mm-hmm. I know when you guys first wanted to do a radio show, you probably didn't get it the first time out. You know, you probably had to keep working at it. Now you guys have a, a world-renowned radio blog uh, for sports, and you got people like the Junkyard Dog coming on your show, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. All hard work. That's what it's about. Hard work. That's, that's it. In anything you do, absolutely. Uh, you know what? Before we let you go, because we know you're super busy, a good friend of ours here, Chucky Brown, former Houston Rocket. We've had him on multiple, multiple times. He's played for about absolutely. 50 NBA teams. Um, Chucky Brown, that's my man. Chucky Brown, yeah. Yep, yep. He's 45 now, and he, and, you know, we're trying to get him to to play another year because you know we want him to see him break that record and you know sign with Charlotte or whatever. He says he can possibly not run up and down a floor, but he'll he'll score a couple of buckets. You, could you, you come go. into the NBA today, man, and still be JYD? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I could give you at least 15 to 20 hard games. After that. Life support. Life support, I have to be on. <laughs> but at least I could give you 15 to 20. Like, man, that's JYD. Rebounding, grabbing the rim, dunking, setting good screens, making good passes, pumping up the crowd, barking at the fans, all that. Yes, 15 to 20. Oh, like man, I that's said, what we're missing. NBA season, they need you for 82. So any team yeah, that right. want that, go ahead and sign me. I'm only taking three to five million minimum. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick needs some rebounding, man. Maybe we can get them to get you again. There you go. Hey, you know, Mr. Mr. Dolan, he's paid me before. He can pay me again. There you go. All right, real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Spurs or Miami, who you got? Oh, man, you know, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Spurs. I you know, know, just from the mere fact that, you know, Miami Heat, you know, our our, our New York City blood just, just doesn't mix. That works. <laughs> Love it, man. Loving it. You know, and that's it. I can't. I mean, I'm sorry. I just, you know, I just, just, I, 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 you know, think they have a great team. I respect them a lot. 
But you know what? Something about that Duncan Tony Parker combination right now. You know, it was a great game by the Heat last night. Great block by LeBron James in the third quarter. Yeah, at the end of the day, I'm gonna go ahead and give it to the Spurs this year. Really like their team effort. I really think that you know, at the end of the day, I don't know if Dwayne Wade has enough in the tank to help support LeBron. I don't yeah. know if those uh, role players are gonna be able to carry this, carry their weight for four games. You know, mm-hmm. another three games actually for the for the championship. So I'm 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 really gonna just say the Spurs right now. Awesome. That, that, that's what we got. So. Yep. Yep. All right, Jerome, man. Seriously, real pleasure having you on. And for everybody down there in Nevada, if you want to get your kids out, get them active, get over, head up to your, uh, you know, to Jerome's place, jydproject.com. Fill it out and get down there. Jerome, thank you so much, man. We hope to have you back on in the future with us. Hey, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> Outstanding. Thanks a lot, man. Yep. Oh, that was just... That uh, you know, he's, he's just... He was always a personality on the court, Mike. And it's great to see after all these years that he hasn't been here. He's still the same thing. He's still, he's still got the personality. It's outstanding. Just well, outstanding. He's doing a lot of great things, man. I, I, I really applaud him for uh, JYD Project. And like I said, head over to JYDProject.com. You know, you can even donate, help them out. You know what? Write them an email, man. If, you, if, if you're business owners in different states and you want to help out your kids, the youth of your state, whatever, hit them up, man. Try to get the JYD project into your state. would be perfect. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I would love to see it up here in Philly, New York one day. Would be would be great. All right, Mike. Well, uh, let's get back into um, talking about some other sports here, and uh, let's dive into baseball real, real quick here. Frank Thomas, who the both of us love to watch as a baseball player. Yeah. He uh, he's basically you know he has his finger on the pulse of the people already in the baseball hall of fame. Uh, said he spoke to them and he understands them and they're basically their position is they do not want steroid users in the baseball hall of fame, Mike. Mm-hmm. They don't want them. Yep. He said and I quote, they say hell no, do not want them. They don't want any of these guys in. These are super superstars in my eyes and they're serious about it. I would suggest you get around the Johnny Benches. The Ozzie Smiths, the Dave Winfields, and the Mike Schmitz hold court with them and see how they feel. I've talked to them, and it was eye-opening. He also called the Biogenesis scandal embarrassing for the game and a shameful episode in baseball history. <clears throat> Mike, do you agree with Frank Thomas? Boy, is, does this not sound like uh, our, our chat with Kelly Stinnett? It sounds like our chats amongst each other here on Facebook. Yeah. But, to, but specifically Kelly Stinnett, and, and we – were praising Kelly for refreshing remarks that he made right here on our airwaves. Yeah. Exactly the same thing here. Refreshing remarks coming from Frank Thomas. Yes. I must be honest with you, Jonathan. When Frank was playing, I often, because of his size and his power, I did often question whether, in fact, he might have been using himself. Yeah, but you know what? Even if you look at Frank Thomas back in high school, he always had a big build. Yes. You know what I mean? So, I mean, of course, we know high school students are, are, are doing steroids and, and, and other illegal uh, supplements. It's sad but true. Right. But he just has a big frame to him, Frank Thomas. He doesn't yeah. look like a guy, you know, that you could see that juiced up because, you know, their muscles just ripped through their shirts or like he got Barry Bonds. His head grew four times the size. Right, right. He just right. always had that big stature. You understand our apprehension. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That you know, you look at something and suddenly you're sitting there going, 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, a lot of conversation going on here in the Philadelphia region with the explosion, pardon the pun, of of uh, Dominic Brown. Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, suddenly the question marks start hanging out there. So uh, I would like to – with Frank Thomas making the kind of comments that he did here, Yeah. It, 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 in some respects, it affirms to me that he was not a user. So uh, – and I just think his, his remarks, as, as I pointed out, very much like Kelly Stinnett's uh, and very, very refreshing. Yeah, it really um, is. But now at the same time, when we had Kelly Stinnett and he made those awesome comments in my mind – in my opinion, and we tried to get it out there to people. Nobody would take it because it was Kelly Stinnett mm-hmm. and not a Frank Thomas. Right, right. It's a damn shame that what Kelly Stinnett said almost six months ago is basically coming out now from a Frank Thomas, but it's getting the publicity because it's Frank Thomas. Because it's Frank Thomas, sure. You know, Kelly Stinnett was in the league for a long time. Yeah. People knew Kelly Stinnett's name, but he wasn't that kind of superstar in Major League Baseball. So basically, to these people out in the media, it didn't really matter what Kelly Stinnett said. And I think that is a damn, damn shame. Mm -hmm. Damn shame. But I'm glad that Frank Thomas is coming out because it's only going to ring out and then hopefully more people come out and talk about it. And as I told you, Mike, I was very happy with what was going on with Biogenesis because I want Major League Baseball to be embarrassed. And I said that last week too, last Wednesday. I want them to be embarrassed, and here we go. Frank Thomas, less than a week later, saying it's embarrassing the hell out of Major League Baseball. The uh, disappointing thing about this, um, as we have pointed out, is that and, – and look, I'm glad to see and hear you know, the people that he's mentioning here, the Johnny Benches, the Ozzie Smiths, the Dave Winfields, making the kind of comments that they are. That Hey, we don't want these guys in there. But as we saw occurred – uh, there were um, victims of it who got slighted from getting into the Hall of Fame this year simply because they were lumped in with that class yeah. that they were, that that was on the ballot. And unfortunately, I think that's going to continue to happen. You know, we talked about it before: the Jeff Bagwells, the Mike Piazzas, not getting in because of the taint that came from the others. Yes. Yes. And we spoke about that with Kelly, too, and he said it was a damn travesty that guys like Dale Murphy, Craig Biggio couldn't get in because of this. Right. Because guys like Rafael Palmeiro, Mark McGuire, uh, Roger Clemens, whoever, were taking votes away from him. And, and you you know, as a writer that has to vote on these people, Mike, I can't see how you can't take your vote away from Rafael Palmeiro and Roger Clemens and give it to a hardworking guy and somebody who played there their minds out like a Craig Biggio and a Dale Murphy. Well, well, I like Kelly Stinnett's option, which is don't even put their name on the ballot. I, and they shouldn't be. They should not be. If if a guy like Pete Rose can't get in for doing something like gambling, why could these people get in for tarnishing the game that they played? Right. I mean, they hurt baseball so much, Mike. And I'm sorry, but Pete Rose didn't hurt baseball. He did it. I, I agree with you. He did it, you know. It really is a damn shame. I would love, love, love to get Kelly back on with us to talk about this stuff and the whole biogenesis. They're going to have to reach out to him soon, but I would also love to get Frank Thomas on with us as well. Oh, yeah. That would be outstanding. I I, I want to get more former baseball players that are so against these guys being on a Hall of Fame ballot that maybe it will create a stir to where Major League Baseball are going to have to listen to these guys, you know? 
They're going to have to listen to their former players because let me tell you, if these former players turn their back on Major League Baseball, who are they going to get on Legends Night, Mike? Absolutely. They're going to get nobody. Absolutely. Man, I tell you. Great well, comments. Great comments from Frank Thomas. Absolutely. Let's get into this real quick. We have a little over five, uh, four minutes left, but let's talk about real quick um, the media, Mike, sports media, and how they need to get their story straight before they publish something. Uh-huh. Um, out in the Los Angeles Times, they had a story where they said uh, this weekend, Sunday night, that former San Diego Charger Sean Merriman overdosed and was had to rush to the hospital. TMZ put up something later on. They had a um, a video of him three hours later perfectly fine going to another club. Right. A um, couple hours later, he was uh, tweeting that he was hanging out with a rapper. Well, guess what? He went, hit up Twitter just a little while ago saying that he was hydra- He was dehydrated. So he did go to the hospital, but only because of dehydration. And he didn't OD on drugs. But now the Los Angeles Times put it out there. You know, how many times have we seen this, though, Mike, where – they're quick to publish the story because they want to be the first one to do it. New York Post, always doing that kind of stuff. That's why they're in big legal trouble right now. And But, I mean, really, they just damage people's reputation yeah. by doing this stuff. Yeah, we, we, we have seen it far, far too often. Too much uh, of late, though. We, we see it frequently from uh, blog sites. Yes. Uh, we see it from um, um, less than reputable bloggers. Um, you and I... And, and and all of us, I, I can tell you right now, all of all of the people that I'm associated with at Frat House Sports or in any of our endeavors, one of the things we insist upon is accuracy. Yes. I want accuracy, not immediacy. Yes. Uh, and that's exactly what you're seeing here, Jonathan. Uh, far too often, just jumping the gun. And look, it, we're, we're, it's not just in sports. No. For God's sake, we have seen it so often in so many other big stories. We saw it in the Boston Marathon story. We saw it in the uh, shooting up there at uh, Sandy Hook. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw it in that uh, you know that Texas explosion at the fertilizer plant. Correct. You know we 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 see it in almost every asset. Everybody wants to be the first, Mike, because they want the traffic to their articles. They want the traffic to their websites, but they don't think about the big picture in the end that they're hurting people. And so, what gets sacrificed? Honesty, accuracy, and truthfulness. Yep. Man, the days of real journalism, I think they're gone, Mike. Uh, it's it, uh, I, Truly, it's sad to me. Very, very sad to me. It is. Because as I've pointed out numerous times, that is my first – that's really what I am first and foremost. I'm a journalist. Yep. Agree. Oh, agree. All right, Mike. Well, that's it for today's show. we got other topics we wanted to talk about today, but we're going to delve into them a little bit more and come up with them on Wednesday and because there are a couple of things we really want to talk about, some touchy subjects, Mike, that we yeah. uh, spoke about pre-show. Uh, but so that's it for today's show. We want to thank Jerome Junkyard Dog Williams. Very, very privileged to have you on the show today. You're doing some great things with kids, and we hope you continue it. And we want everybody to go to jydproject.com and check it out. Um, we want to thank our listeners for tuning in. As always, uh, we just enjoy having everybody listening to our program. And we will be back Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time with some even more sports talk, Mike. Absolutely. Because that's what we do best. So for Mike McShane, I'm Jonathan Raggis. We'll see you all Wednesday, 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Get you then.